Wonderful. Thank you, worship team. You know, sometimes I, I read in the scriptures, Isaiah 6, it, it, it talks about the seraphim. And they cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And you think, they just do that. But they do it nonstop. And it's like they do it. And each time, it's the first time they've said it. And you get a bit of a glimpse of that when you sing that, Lord, you're beautiful. There's something in your spirit that just, there's an engagement, oh, Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I seek. There's such a simplicity to it. There's this communion, and it's, a, it's an interesting glimpse to me because you can keep going for a long time on it, and yeah, just this communion in worship. Um, so thank you guys for that. We are going to continue in Ephesians today, and so I trust we will enter into the, the speaking part of worship um, and just open ourselves to your word, Lord. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Thank you, Lord. Just speak to us. We pray for our own ears to hear, hearts to receive. Just pray against any distraction. We just ask you to speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, there you go. I was waiting for an awe. I wasn't going to continue. Children, they're sure cute, eh? Little bundles of joy. Now, children generally have parents, and those parents' jobs are interesting. And one would say that those parents' jobs are to provide, you know, food, shelter, love and support, to care for them. They're just, they're great all the time, you know, like it's amazing. But, you know, when you have kids, you soon start to see some things happen. Look at that kid, eh? that's like... And you start to realize your children need more than food, water, and shelter. They actually need a lot more. You have to give them something. You're trying to grow them up. You see things at two, you've got to know at 14 ain't going to be good. You're like, hmm, hmm. You talk with your wife, you go, okay, what are we going to do about this? Because we know it's our desire to see our children grow up. When I was a child, I lived like a child, I acted like a child, I thought like a child. And when I grew up, I put away childish things. 1 Corinthians 13. This is not working? It's better now? Are you hearing that? Um, it's just a desire in parents. But it's an interesting thing going on nowadays, and I've seen studies in universities, that there's an epidemic of young people going to universities that are not prepared for life. They're breaking down. They have very little life skills. And I think one of the reasons has to tie, there's many reasons, I get it, but one of the key reasons has to be tied to how they're raised, how we're raising children in the culture we're in. And I do think a lot of us as parents have gone away from being a parent and being the child's friend. And I always tell my kids, I'm not your friend. I'm your father. I'm not saying I'm against you, but I'm your father. I'm going to say things to you your friends wouldn't say to you. I take on the responsibility of being a father. And that may mean I can't shield them from all manner of sickness or challenge or things they have to go through. Like when my son came home from Cactus Club and he says, I work nine hours and with no break. I'm like, oh, yes. There's no recognition. Yes. They seem to just want to abuse me. Yes. 
preparing him for life. Like, how do I help this kid grow up and get a work ethic? He's got to go through it. Or do I phone his manager? What are you doing to my son? And this is what happens, shielding children. And as a result, not understanding that life's knocks are actually what prepare you and mature you in life. And we sanitize and we protect and we just, when those are the very things that build us up. They actually say we over-sanitize. Um, that hand sanitizer, so kids are not building immunity because everything's over-sanitized. And I believe this is in the church today. Paul actually addressed it. It's not just the church today. It's always been there. It's nothing new. It's been way back at the beginning. And Paul and other writers of the New Testament are often challenging their audience to grow up. Stop being childish. We just, the reason we're doing Ephesians, or sorry, Hebrews 6 is just before Hebrews 6.1, the foundations course, the, the rebuke of the author of Hebrews is you guys are acting like children. You're not growing up. You've been, in, you've been a Christian for 30 years and nothing's happened. You're not doing, nothing's, there's no maturity in Christ. Yes, you've gotten older, you've gotten grayer, but spiritually, like this. Now, last week we looked at the, the role of the fivefold ministry in the local church. And uh, we see that these, this ministry is critical to the maturing of the church, to the growing up, to not coddle or sanitize, but to challenge, to encourage, to educate, to help us press on toward the mark of the high call, to present, as it were, to the Lord a, a church without spot or blemish. Does your heavenly Father shield you from all hardship, suffering? He allows you to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but to fear no evil. So if our heavenly Father does not shield us, nor should we, and that's a whole other talk on child rearing, I'll leave that to you. But we see the hardship and suffering is what is the refining fire, 1 Peter chapter 2, for your faith, which is more precious than gold. The world seeks gold. Christians are seeking greater faith, which opens up more of what God is about. Sorry, you had to look at that kid for a long time. Hebrews 12, verse 5. And you've forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children. And you're expecting something really encouraging. I love this. He said, my child, don't take lightly the Lord's discipline. And don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciples those he loves. And he punishes each one as he, he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, Remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who was never disciplined by his father? And we all say, well, maybe in that culture, but this one we do see that. But the very thing that, that it's a sign that God is your father is that he disciplines you. And we see that with children. They, it's not my child to discipline. I go to Jeb and say, hey, Jeb, such as Wesley needs to be corrected. I don't correct him. But I don't discipline other people's kids. That's the father and mother's job. And we see that our Heavenly Father, this is articulated, and He does discipline us, and He does challenge us, and He does correct us, and, and he, he also uses the fivefold, the delegated authority to bring structure and order and challenge. As we looked at last week, to equip, to edify, to the, the unity of faith, to mature. What child comes to maturity without help from their parents. 
the wisdom that their parents bring. They've been there before. Listen to your parents. Do not despise the rebuke or the correction of a loving father or mother. This is God's ordained way in the home, and it's the ordained way in the kingdom. Has there been abuses? No doubt. (laughs) We all know that. But God still has a plan and a structure. So with that mindset, let's go into Ephesians 4, 14. Lisa had some influence on me. If you were there on Friday night, the slides were much better. This is the only one that looks as good as this, but I'll give that to you. As a result of the ministry of the fivefold, the fivefold, the apostles, the prophets, the pastors, teachers, evangelists, this is as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of people, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. And the reason I put that up there, Paul kind of, it's a kind of akin to a storm. An environment of danger and instability is reflected in the language he's using. And I think we do see a lot of instability in the church today. Social media, et cetera, just amplifies it where you're just tossed to and fro. I watch this YouTube. I watch this whatever social media. And you're pulled over here and you're pulled over there. And as a result, there's instability. And Paul talks of this, of what will come even in our time. He says, but the Spirit explicitly says that in the latter time, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. It's pretty intense. People will fall away from the faith because of doctrines of demons. I solemnly exhort you in the presence of God, of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, by His appearing and His kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. The word, again, which Koshi was saying. The word of God. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine. Are we in that time? But wanting their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and will turn aside to myths. As you know, Timothy, the, the, the first and second Timothy are the last letters Paul writes. He's going off to glory, about to die soon. And his apostle's heart Fivefold ministry. His concern is the doctrine, right, of what's going on here in the church. And he's emphatic with because this is this is first Peter, um, first Timothy, sorry, four and second Timothy four, so similar in the sentiment here. But the need to 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 preach God's word, to esteem the word of God, and to challenge God's people to obey it. And this is the, one of the roles you see of the apostolic is, to, is doctrine, oversighting doctrine, to make ensure doctrine is kept to. But he says they will, they will gather for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. This is the same desires. But the, the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things enter and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Desires. 
You ever wonder what your kids would eat if you said, you guys can eat whatever you want? No, it depends the age. It depends the maturity, right? My kids would eat sugar. Like, they would. They, they, they gather. Like, I don't always think it's super you know, intentionally evil that's going on. It's just, you'd, you'd I desire this. You'd, you'd, like, I'd like a bit more of that. I'd like a bit more of that. Now, on YouTube, you can have, you like chocolate, you got chocolate, vanilla, strawberry. You can go wherever you want. So you gather around, and it's, it's worse than it's ever been because it's an echo chamber. And so you saw, politically, you see a divide. You see it over COVID. You see it over all multiple things. Everyone's just, uh-huh, bouncing off the walls back to them. They're agreeing with their own echoes, thinking of someone else. I really, that's a good point. That's right. And this is where, right now in the culture that we're in, this stuff is just prolific. And just as a child eating junk food, the spiritual junk food is not maturing the church. It's making it more selfish, more self-centered. Jesus is the butler. What can I do for you? You've got, you've got things you want to do. How can I add to it? How can I bless you and, and, and prompt you up into what you want to do? And you see the fallout of it. It's a pretty anemic church. One who does not tremble at God's word. It's all backwards. And this is, this is happening throughout, even when Paul started to preach. You could see him constantly challenge the Corinth church who had, no, had the spiritual gifts flowing, but he says, you're just children. You're still backbiting. You're still... You're still, you're still slanderous. Now, there's no surprise that these things are happening because we just look at where the source is. The source of all of this. And this is Jesus, uh, you know, rebuking the Pharisees. Why do you not understand what I'm saying? So he's talking to the Pharisees. It's because you cannot listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, not very Christian, Jesus. You've got to be more loving than that. You are of your father, the devil. You are of your father. It's so blunt. He says, and you want the desires of your father. What's the desires of the father? He wanted to be like the most high God. He wanted to ascend and be beyond, beyond. He wanted to be God. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he lies, whenever he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I say to you the truth, you do not believe me. Powerful. And that's in the atmosphere. That's in the culture. That's, that's, that's the kingdom of darkness, the dominion of darkness. And that's why we need the fullness of the authorities that God has given to the church to discern the times that we're in. Guarding against the lies and deceptions of the enemy. And we have ensuring that the church would stand grounded. It brings the stability to the church, the anchor to the church. I've seen some churches, and if you go back, Churches today that are pretty much apostate, that just denied Christ and denied that we need the blood. But if you go back to the 70s and you look at their mission statement, it is Bible. So what happened? Hebrews chapter 2 seems to say there's this neglect. How will shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? There's just this neglect. And slowly, slowly. You ever see people neglecting? It's not like they're abusing it, but they're not taking care of it. It's neglect. And there's this slipping away that we see. 
And then you're going, how can they be saying this? This is clearly contradicting Scripture. How did they get there? Well, you've got to take it in context. Look at your own life. Maybe you, you were like one day, you, there was a time in your life you were on fire for the Lord. You, you got on your knees and you wept before him. And you, but you never dreamed you'd be where you are now. How have you drifted so far? It's neglect. We all relate to it. There's this attrition on you. It's in the atmosphere. It's contrary to that of God. It's contrary to the kingdom. You cannot live for God by accident. <laughs> it's very intentional. Just like I feel about losing weight or getting fit. It doesn't just happen. Have you noticed that? It's a strange thing. Can I put on autopilot? I remember uh, in the 80s, you used to have those things that would jiggle your... I could just sit there, watch TV, and jiggle. It doesn't work. It doesn't happen. It's intention. It's intention. It's intentional. Stability. The fivefold brings us stability. It helps take the little babies that are coming in that God loves, and on the milk of the Word, it grows them up. It allows them to go through stuff. It doesn't become the Holy Spirit for them. It directs them to Christ. It builds away from themselves onto Him. And as they grow in the Lord, it doesn't matter their age. You could be 15 years old and be far surpassing a 60-year-old spiritually. Keep going in the passage. We are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of people, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, that is Christ. Speaking the truth in love. seems to me you probably could speak the truth in unlove. There's something here. To speak the truth in love, this is extremely important. You can't compromise the truth. You can't water it down. Truth, the, the challenge I have, if you water down the truth, if only the truth can set free and you water down the truth, you must, you must water down its effects on freedom. If we discard truth, we discard the very way in which people can get free. So what do we become? Just a social club. If we pick and choose the appetites of the culture we're in, we have nothing to offer anyone. It's a social club. Speaking the truth in love. I believe this is in this passage, it's talking about interaction with one another. And, and Galatians, this is what soon came into my heart when I was meditating on the scriptures, is there are ways that we help each other with truth. Brothers and sisters, even if a person caught in any, if a person is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual are to restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness. Each one looking to yourself so that you are not tempted as well. That's humility. You go, dude, I, I'm, I'm reaching out. I know I could be tempted by the same thing. I'm not above you, but I'm helping. Bear one another's burdens and therefore fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks that he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. You'll see humility is woven throughout the interactions of the body of Christ. Humility. You know, you can be completely correct doctrinally and completely wrong in attitude. It just nullifies its potency. I remember my mom used to say to us, if in defending the Trinity, you offend the Trinity, what's the point? 
Like if you look at your social media and you're, you're, you're ranting and raving, is it, is it in love, the truth? That's all. You can say, I'm doctrinal. I grew up this way as a good Calvinist Baptist in my particular bent with my brothers. We went around, man, and that story, we were hacking. And I don't disagree with the, the truth of it, the, the, what I was saying, but it was not in love. And it caused a lot of damage. But as long as we won the argument, that's what mattered. It's so important to get this in us. And I, I do believe the Lord is working in us in this to love each other. Enough to tell each other the truth. Enough to go, you know what, dude? I wouldn't be watching Game of Thrones. All is lawful, but not all is profitable. You are a slave to whatever you offer your body to. Things like that, that in each other's lives, but it's just love. It's like a father correcting his child because he loves the child. What, what father likes to discipline his children? It's not fun. Spanking my kids when they're young and stuff like that. Oh, it's like, ugh. My mother used to weep when she did it. It's the weirdest thing. I always thought, maybe I should discipline you, Mom, because it seems to be hurting you more than me. But it used to grieve my mother to do it. But I remember she did it because she loved me. Speaking the truth in love. Growing up in all aspects into him who is the head that is Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Each part has its own special work. It's amazing. We need each other. We need each other to push in on each other's behalf. Can we get the body together? Because we've got to move. You know? It's like a NASCAR only having three wheels. It can't move. It needs the other wheel. It needs four wheels to move. And I just was so delighted on Friday night to see the ministry of the body working together. Working together in humility. And it was just awesome. I mean, there was no... Who was minister? Who was the minister? There was no the minister. It was just Revolution Church getting together, proclaiming the word of God, just plain truth, just we put it on the screen, worshiping the Lord and allowing the Holy Spirit to move and set people free. But allowing the, the working together as we pray for one another. It was amazing to watch. When you start to think of the potential of what that is and what that looks like and, and, and how God would move in us, it's amazing to me. And it was a privilege to be a part of it. And I look forward to more of that as we are challenged on this day to do that in, an, in the intimate way that we did it there. Continuing on to 17 here. 17, 18, and 19. So I say this and affirm in the Lord that you no longer walk just as the Gentiles walk, also walk in the futility of their minds being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves up to indecent behavior for the practice of every kind of impurity and greediness. Paul talks about the walk. And if you remember, this is how he started the whole, actually, the beginning of Ephesians 4, is to walk in a manner worthy of the call. And it is a walk, the Christian walk. It's not a sprint. 
I see people sprinting and walking. It's like uh, when, it, when somebody learns how to run, it's about pacing yourself to actually run effectively. But this is walking. You're walking through this. And he's challenged to walk not as the world walks in the futility of the mind, in the darkness, the hardness of the heart, the stubborn, the arrogant. And Paul will often challenge this. First Corinthians, he challenged it because they were very intellectual. And it's not that he's discarding the, the mind, but it's the mind of Christ. It's amazing to me, the scripture that says, and God, through the foolishness of the gospel preached, saved those who would believe. God knows it's an affront to the Jew and foolishness to the Greek. He did not say, oh, shoot, okay, what, did, what flavor do you like? Okay, maybe a bit of a spoonful of sugar helps it go down. No, it's unchanging. Romans 1. It's an amazing passage of Scripture, the whole passage, to show you the, the degradation and the, the fall of humanity. But just, just want to highlight these, two, these three verses here because they, they're directly related to the topic. For ever since the world was created... People have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse of not knowing God or knowing there is a God. It is folly to look at the, the, the creation. It's the first testimony God has. It is folly to look at this and think it just happened. No one in their right mind walked up to the cinema today and thought, this probably just happened. You see order. You see design, you see purpose. And that means there's order, design, purpose in the individual created it. To reject that is to reject it's plain truth. And I've often said to people who are atheists or so on, if you ever go out after a windfall and the, and the wind has blown all the leaves down, just go onto their, their, their driveway and set the leaves in order and spell out their name. And when they come out in the morning, they'll be like, who did that? What do you mean who did that? It just happened. But even something so simple, you clearly see somebody had to do that. And that's what Paul's saying here, that they are actually going, no. Yes, they knew God, but they didn't worship him as God or given him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God is like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And it goes into it as to how they, they, they use their bodies and how they offer themselves. And it says they heartily encourage others to follow them in the depravity. And we see this on display today. And it's the job, it's the primary job of the Ephesians 4 ministry, the apostles, the prophets, the pastors, the teachers, and the evangelists, to equip us and well-round us, to walk out well. Because we know we've got a calling and to equip us well in this, to keep us in order, to keep us in alignment. And it's their job to not only edify, we want edification, but to challenge, to correct, to reprove. Just in conclusion here, I don't know if uh, you guys want to come up if we're doing a song at the end there. On Friday night, we focused on two things. We focused on, before we went into ministry, I want to, air the, to address the area of ignorance 
and unbelief. And we want it to own our own ignorance and our lack of reading of the word. And I want to encourage you as a father in the house, just as you would be aghast that if I let my kids run all over me, you'd be like, what kind of father is that? I'm a father in this house. And I, I, I really feel like you, we need to address the area of ignorance and the lack of reading of the word of God. And what we did was we just confessed, Lord, that we are lazy or we are neglectful or whatever it was. And we asked God to forgive us for this neglect of his word. When we know more about the chiefs or the, whoever else is playing sorry, today than we do about the word of God. Where we know more about our sitcom that we love than Paul or the book of Acts. It's, it's ignorance is different when you've got it literally on your table. You've got it on the bookshelf. And so we've repented of, ig- of ignorance, neglect, laziness, whatever that is. And you say, Nick, you're, won't, won't that make people feel bad? Yeah, hopefully. Own it. I mean, it's, it's just, I know it sounds horrible, but it's, it's from a place of love. I know from my own life, if, you, if you're ignorant of the word, you're going to have problems, real problems ahead. Every wind of doctrine flowing through. Because you're so ignorant of the truth, you don't understand the counterfeit. Because the counterfeit has always got some weaving into it of truth. It's called mixture. And unbelief. The spirit of unbelief. It's a sin. It's not a faith, it's sin. So I'm just going to ask us to stand. We're going to play here another song. If you feel to join me, um, I'm just going to ask corporately here on those two topics. No one has to hear you, but it's, it's just, Lord, we lift up our neglect of reading your word, of knowing your word. We ask that you would forgive us of any laziness, any distractions we give into. Dare I say any wimpiness? Forgive us, Lord, for craving sugar, as it were, and not the real meat. Forgive us for not giving time to your word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would just forgive us of ignorance. And tied to that, we just ask that you would forgive us for living and defending in a state of unbelief, in a state of cowardice, in a state of just, in some ways it's just an easy place to be, to be cornered and we've made ourselves safe and we've made ourselves as comfortable as we can. Lord, we just ask that you break us out of the place of unbelief. And we as a church body, we do break off ignorance and we do break off a spirit of unbelief. And we speak freedom in these areas over this church in the name of Jesus. We will not be tossed around by every wind of doctrine. We will not be led astray by the deceptions and the doctrines of demons. Your word is truth. Your word is the anchor. Your word is life. So we just stand now against unbelief in the name of Jesus and we command to go. Lord, I just pray that you minister to your people. Just allow the Lord to speak as we worship.